Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Friday edition of The Yard and the Maroon Friday edition. Hope you guys are celebrating Maroon Friday and decked out in your maroon and white, repping the brand, letting people know that you are a Mississippi State Bulldog supporter and a member of our family. So glad to have you with us today. It's a very important day. It's an important show. 
want to give everybody involved the respect that they deserve as we discuss Mississippi State moving on from Coach Joe Moorhead. This is not a gleeful occasion. I know that you know some of the social media commentary uh, that goes along with this sort of thing because you know people people love Mississippi State and they get frustrated when Mississippi State is not uh, putting its best foot forward. And there have been a lot of issues over the course of the last two years that uh, have led people to have a lot of angst and disappointment as it relates to Mississippi State football. And so for many people, they see this as, okay, it's the relief of, okay, now that's over. We have a chance now to kind of right the ship. I share some of that same sentiment, but I also am somewhat sensitive to the fact that Joe Moorhead did not move to Mississippi State to be fired. Joe Moorhead moved to Mississippi State to win championships at Mississippi State and unfortunately, he was unsuccessful in that endeavor. And so we'll break down some of the things that went wrong. We're going to break down where do we go here from here. Uh, what else is happening in the world of Mississippi State sports? But again, I, I want to make sure that uh, we speak respectfully of everybody involved. I know there will be others that'll, that may have a different vantage point, but uh, I never take this sort of thing mildly. But I always want what's best for Mississippi State. My loyalty is to Mississippi State and to every coach as long as they are the coach at Mississippi State. I still hope to maintain a friendship with guys as they move on, but uh, ultimately uh, my loyalty is to them is somewhat fickle because uh, once they leave Mississippi State, I don't have that same level of relationship with them, and I think that's understandable. So let's go ahead and get into it. But let's first of all thank our good friends, Bulldog Burger Company. Absolutely love their consistency there. Those guys are your friends. You can have a great relationship with them. They're not going to transfer out. They're not going to get fired. They're not going to quit on you. Those guys are going to be winners at Bulldog Burger Company. Go by. Find your own favorites. I'm currently uh, kind of back and forth between the Bryant and the Lauren. Need to get back in there here in the coming days. Love being in there. Every time I go, and so I've got a couple of college girls, and about the only time that I can get them to meet me is when I feed them. And so they always leave there with those shakes, those hand-spun shakes as desserts. You can go have one of those, too, even though it's cold outside. It's never too cold for ice cream. I mean, it's just not. That's just not the reality of it. And so go by Bulldog Burger Company now with two locations to serve you in Starkville University and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet, M-E-A-T. So... As you guys are well aware of by now, Joe Moorhead was relieved of his coaching duties at Mississippi State this morning. You know, I don't know how they'll label the whole thing. I'm sure it'll be a termination, but, you know, sometimes they allow people the, uh, you know, the option to resign or whatever. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is no matter what you call it, it is the end of an era at Mississippi State. And it is not ending the way that many of us had hoped or even expected. There were a lot of people that uh, I will say were kind of on the fence about the Joe Moorhead hire from the beginning because of the fact that he did not have a lot of uh, you know, connections to the South and that the recruiting piece might suffer. But the, the, the fact of that is, is the recruiting piece did not suffer. And I thought he did a really good job kind of staying engaged with recruits. Ultimately, he was uh, also hired to be an offensive guru. And the offensive production for Mississippi State in the past two years has been woeful. Absolutely woeful. And so how did we get here? That's the thing that people are asking, you know, because there were all these rumors 
around the egg bowl that some things were amiss. So there are a lot of people sometimes, and I guess I'm guilty of this from time to time too, sometimes we kind of fall in love with what we think will happen. And we don't always maybe accept things for as they are, but we kind of spin them to how we think they should be. And so back around Thanksgiving, when these conversations first came up about, hey, if Joe Moorhead loses the Egg Bowl, there's a good chance that he is out. Okay, so I heard that uh, from a few people that I trusted. And then there was this whole thing about we had negotiated a buyout and he was out after the Egg Bowl, win or lose. Uh, I can tell you that is untrue. I know there are some people out there that will dispute that, but I have spoken to some decision makers in that process and people that would have access and information that have shared that that, that was simply not true. However, there was uh, some discussions had. I know that John Cohen met with Joe Moorhead the Saturday after the Egg Bowl, and there were several things that uh, I understand several dozen things that John Cohen broke up, changes that had to be made to the Mississippi State football program, including some personnel changes. I, one of the things that I was told, too, I know it's a minor thing to many people, but some things people complained about, is that, you know, that even the uh, the discussion about the dress code for the bulldog walk, you know, the dog walk and that sort of stuff, that was even brought up. And so, very exhaustive list. And I'm told that Joe Moorhead agreed to everything. That whatever John Cohen wanted to do, Joe was on board with that. Joe wanted to be here. Joe wanted to get things going in the right direction. Joe was eager to get the season over and kind of get some of this disappointment and, you know, kind of get the complement of the full roster together and just move forward. But there was not an extension signed. That's one of the things people have, have kind of brought up on social media. And so Dave Murray and I both have worked the phones and been told those discussions were kind of tabled until after the bowl game. And so – there's not a new extension, but uh, obviously Mississippi State will have to cut a check to get out of this because you're going to owe Joe Moorhead you know, the remaining uh, dollars on his contract. I'm sure there'll be a bit of a negotiated settlement there. But the bottom line is, is that uh, things have changed a lot since that Egg Bowl. A lot. And as I mentioned, there were several people. I mean, a lot of people almost without really having to be, you know, contacted when all those those rumors begin to bubble up and they were everywhere and there was so much heat about it and you know there's one person that says this and everybody kind of begins to pile on there there was no shortage of people on the inside it's like Steve there's there's really nothing going on here there, there's really you know short of us getting embarrassed in the egg bowl Joe's going to be back next year and there were a lot of people too and you know in our majority donors that were like you know hey listen we win the egg. We're bowl eligible again. We can't run the risk of uh, missing the bowl game. But you know, if we get bowl eligible again, then yeah, then Joe's got a chance to be safe. But a lot has changed since that time. I really believe, and I think that you will agree with me, that a lot of the goodwill earned after retaining the golden egg was lost with some of the post-game comments from Joe Moorhead. And uh, let me also say this, you know, because I want to be respectful. Uh, Joe was a wonderful man. I do believe that he is a fine football coach, but it just simply didn't work here. 
And there are a lot of people, of course, that uh, because of the fact they're on angst and disappointment, that they may disagree and, and make some personal comments about Joe. Uh, Joe is a fine person. He, he really is. And I, be- I do believe he is a fine football coach. I don't know that he's cut out to coach in the Southeastern Conference. I think perhaps this was a little bit intimidating once you get down here. Because one of the things that I've learned about, you know, I've got some coaches that uh, have worked at Mississippi State, moved on elsewhere. And, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of those guys that uh, former SEC coaches that are in other leagues, they'll tell you they didn't realize how big the gap was until they went somewhere else because the speed of the game is just so much different here. But when Joe made the comments about our fans, and, you know, it's one of those things, too, well, well, he was really talking to all his critics and his naysayers and that stuff, and, and I, and I, I kind of get that, too. But you can't be a head coach in the Southeastern Conference really being critical of the shareholders of your program, those same people that you're going to be soliciting to buy bowl tickets and, and to wear your merchandise and to go out there and support you and to buy cowbells and to fill Davis Wade Stadium on Saturdays. You can't go out there and slap those people in the face. No matter how good it feels, no matter how redeeming it feels, no matter how uh, victorious you may feel after winning the Golden Egg. And listen, I, you know, when we win the Golden Egg, I want to run up and down university and and carry the golden egg over my head because it's such a big deal to us. It is. But when you get out there and you tell, hey, the only people's opinions that I care about are the guys in that locker room and everybody else can go kick rocks and pound sand, you know, that might work in the National Football League with some franchises, but it's not going to work in the SEC, and it's certainly not going to work uh, in a small place like Mississippi State, where you know we we need every fan we can get. We don't need to run anybody off. I know some of you that uh, post in these Facebook groups and on the message boards, there's some people you, that, that have dissenting opinions. You would love to run those folks off. But we need every fan we can get. We need the T-shirt alums. We need the sidewalk alums. Uh, we need everybody. We need the million-dollar donors, and we need the, the folks that uh, can never afford to make it to a ball game. Uh, we need everybody out there that loves the maroon and white to feel like they're part of the maroon and white family. And so when you do those kinds of things, when you go out and, uh, and, and you basically tell those people that they do not matter, that is difficult to recover from. And if it was that one situation in and of itself, you might be able to overcome that. As bad as that is, as tacky as that was, you might be able to bounce back from that because you could say, you know, other people could say, well, you know, he was kind of caught up in the moment. You know, it's been a frustrating year and he's had all these critics and people that were doubting him. And there were a lot of our own fans that were hoping that Ole Miss would beat Mississippi State so they can make a coaching change. And so he kind of wanted to, he was speaking to, to that segment of our fan base. And so while that sounds good, I don't think when you begin to look at the totality of the situation, you can look at that and say, well, you know, I understand. I kind of get it. When you're, when you're already kind of battling back from less than zero, you can't do anything to put yourself back in a ditch. And I think that's what Joe did. I think when he beat Ole Miss, and it was so crazy because we were all laughing and giggling about how the game ended in Mississippi State. And, again, I'll say this because there's some people out there that I don't think you get it. Mississippi State is a better football team. 
We hadn't always played that way, but we're the better football team. We won the ball game. We should have won the ball game. We deserved to win the ball game. We were going to win the ball game. We did. We have the egg. But the way all of that worked, and as happy as we all were, then we go in there and we have some of our fans, they're thinking, okay, well, maybe this will be okay. Maybe this will be okay. Because there were a lot of people, a lot of this, their angst and a lot of their critical comments were really kind of rooted in the fear of losing to Ole Miss. That is a very real and present thing in the Mississippi State fan base. The fear of losing to Ole Miss. We don't want to have to live with that for 365 days. We don't want them to have the egg. We don't want to have to disinfect it when we see it again. We don't want it held hostage. We don't want to have to go to the water cooler and go face your Ole Miss co-workers and put up with their loud mouths for a year. It's it's another one. It's our year to brag again. And so in the middle of all of that jubilation, some of the joy of that victory is ripped away from us because of those comments. And there's no point in rehashing them again. They're, they're well documented. But here we are now, basically five weeks removed from that. And you cannot go on a message board. You cannot get in a Facebook group. You cannot get on social media without somebody mentioning hey, I'm just over here pounding sand, or hey, I'm over here kicking rocks, or whatever. You know, those are things, those are comments that you can't outlive. Those are things that will stay with you forever. And it's not so much what you say, but it's who you said it to. You know, it's one thing if they, like, if he had come out and made those comments about Ole Miss fans, people would have been like, hey, <laughs> he gets it. Just like last year when he takes Ross Bjork and, uh, you know, to task, Davis bought Hemingway Stadium and then tells him, hey, yo, listen, I'm trying to defuse this situation. I don't need you out here popping off, Ross. And a lot of our people were like, hey, hey, Joe's our guy. He's not just our coach, but Joe is our guy. Now he's had his rivalry moment. And so while he endeared himself to Mississippi State fans following the 2018 Egg Bowl, he ostracized himself from even more in 2019, especially those that were kind of on the fence. There were a lot of people – there was very polarizing parts of the fan base. There were those who were like, hey, listen, there's been a lot of adversity this year, and a lot of it's not been Joe's fault. We can't hold him accountable for things beyond his supervision. And there are other people who were like, I don't care about any of that stuff. All I know is he's not winning enough. The offense is awful. And then there were a lot of people in the middle. They were just kind of like, I don't really know how I feel, but you know, we're not winning enough. But you know what, if we beat Ole Miss and get to a bowl game, maybe this year that's the best we could hope for. Well, you lose a lot of those fence sitters. You push them to the wrong side of the fence when you go out there and you start firing bullets at those people. And those are the people that I care about. Those are the people that we, you know, that we depend on to make a living. You know, We're in the Mississippi State business. Got the great, the great website, jeanspage.com. It's been around you know, for over 20 years now. It's the place where all Mississippi State fans can go and you know, all we do is cover Mississippi State, all facets of Mississippi State. So, you know, for us, business is good. Our kids eat better. We can sleep a little better when, when Mississippi State is winning because your interest level in Mississippi State is, is high or it's on the rise because you love Mississippi State. We don't, we don't benefit when Mississippi State doesn't win. We don't. And so you guys are not only our family, but, you know, you guys help us make a living. And so when somebody is critical of you all, 
they're kind of critical of us. They hinder our own ability to make a living. But all of that said, I thought we could move beyond that. So that takes place. And then just as we're kind of like, okay, well, listen, we got the ag back. Yeah, Joe kind of got in his oats a little bit. But, you know, we got a bowl game coming up, and we're favored to win the bowl game. And, and Louisville's kind of been our little brother lately. You know, we've kind of owned them. You know, we had that little slip up in the uh, – you know, in the eighth inning against them in, in the College World Series, but we should have won the game. We've dominated them. We beat them in the Final Four in women's hoops. We beat them in the NIT in the men's basketball. We ended their season uh, in football. We beat Lamar Jackson. And so you begin to think, okay, well, we'll, we'll go beat them again. And the reason we shouldn't beat them again, we're the more talented team. And then we go out there and essentially get run out of the place. Forget the fact we had a 14-0 lead. They came back and they beat us. And it's one of those things a lot of people now are saying, well, Steve, you know, if we had had Garrett Schrader in that ball game, we probably would have won the game. Because of the fact we'd have been able to run a lot more with the quarterback and then Colin Hill would have had a chance to kind of get off. And I don't know if that's true or not. But that is the perception. And so because of that, because of the fact that Garrett Schrader was not available, that makes that whole incident, that whole post-fight, incident between Willie Gay and, and Garrett Schrader. And again, I'm not going to sit here and listen to people vilify Willie Gay. Okay. There's a lot of that that's going around and it's not accurate. Okay. Both guys are at fault. They're both responsible for their behavior. Both of them could have done things differently. And I am told on great authority, both of them wish they would have done things differently. But the bottom line is Garrett wasn't available to Mississippi State. We lose a ball game. So now all of a sudden that incident is now magnified. And there are many people that say, well, you know what? We probably should have just suspended both of those guys and said, you know what? Mississippi State's not going to put up with this, guys. And the hindsight's always 20-20. You know, we needed Willie Gay to play because Zero Thompson wasn't 100%. Banged up at linebacker. And you feel like you got to go win the game. And so when you begin to kind of put all these things together, all of it... It's one incident you look at and say, well, you know, that's probably not a fireable offense. But then when you begin to put things together and then you look at the the trajectory of our football program. As I mentioned on the show earlier this week, you give him the number one defense in America and you lose five games. And then this year you don't have that great defense, but you do have your quarterback. And you lose seven games. So do we wait until it bottoms out? Do we wait for a three and nine year and then uh, you know, get beat on the recruiting trail for a couple of years and then go through basically a full rebuild? No, I, don't, I don't think you do. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, that I, I like to think about when all this is going on, because uh, there are a lot of people, they automatically just you jump on the head coach. Hey, Joe must go. But you know what? There's a lot of people going with Joe, a lot of people that maybe you don't know, maybe a lot of people out there that perhaps you take for granted. And, uh, you know, they don't really get a say in this. There are a lot of people out there that have worked very, very hard for Mississippi State in the last two years that are kind of behind the scenes that, uh, you know, they're going to be looking for a job and they're not making millions. You know, they're not going to get a big buyout. 
And and those are people that I care about. Now, I'm not saying that's a reason to keep Joe Moorhead. I, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying there are a lot of people out there. I think that's why it's important not to be maybe so gleeful about all of this. Because and I've heard from many of these people, you know, as late as last night. Hey, Steve, what's going on? I'm reading these things on your message board, and I see you're making comments that you think Joe may be gone. What's what's really going on here? And so there's a lot of those people that reach out. Many of those people I've known for a long time. There were some of those people that were offered the chance to go to Florida with Dan Mullen that elected to stay here because they love Mississippi State. And some of those people will not be part of the Mississippi State family going forward. And so that's part of it, too. And so I just ask you to you just be a little sensitive to that, okay? You, know, you can be excited about a change. You can be excited about a new coach. But uh, there are a lot of people out there that are impacted by this that uh, aren't at fault. They've done their, their part of the, the deal, and now they're going to be looking you know, for employment somewhere else. They're, they're talented people. It'll work out. But if you've ever been in that situation, you know, we've all had some time we've had a change of job, whether we had, to, we had a company go out of business or you've lost a job or whatever. There's always a transition. And uh, you know, I shared this on the Jeans page message supporters a few days ago. I mean, I, I fired probably over 100 people in my life, but I've always been sensitive to the fact that that person's got to go home and let their family know that they don't know where the next paycheck is coming from. And so when these things happen, uh, it's not anything that I think that you can look at and just say, you know what, this is all going to be okay. You know, as long as we're happy, you know, as long as, you know, our needs are satisfied, our blood loss is satisfied. It doesn't really matter about those other people, but it does matter. And so again, I'm not saying that you you keep anybody. You don't keep a head coach because of uh, the support staff, folks. So now we begin to ask, where do we go from here? Well, there has been a lot of discussion about Billy Napier for some time. I can share with you based on my conversations, and I have had numerous. I have spent I spent the entire day Thursday on the telephone from start to finish up until around midnight talking to people. Uh, there is not a deal in place. There may eventually be one in place for Billy Napier, but there's not a deal in place now. I've had people send me uh, message board posts and social media posts, things that have suggested that uh, that's not true. You know, as of uh, as of uh, Thursday, there had not been a face-to-face meeting between Billy Napier and John Cohen. I am told that there has been some contact, like some people that were doing some due diligence on behalf of Mississippi State, and there's always some of that that take, takes place. You talk to people in the agency circles, and you know a lot of those people reached out in recent days and said, hey, what's going on at Mississippi State? I understand State's kind of doing some due diligence to gauge the interest in their job. And that's when I first had a real feeling that something was amiss. And all of that really started once the news of the gay and traitor fight got out there. And you began to kind of realize, Joe probably needs to win this ball game, and then you don't win the ball game. And as I told you guys on the show Tuesday, I uh, spent much of Monday evening talking to donors and people in the uh, industry circles that suggested that you know that there might be a situation Mississippi State's going to move on from Jim Moorhead. And then on Tuesday, you begin to get the uh, the more serious chatter that uh, it's a real possibility. And then, of course, national media reports come out on Thursday night saying that, hey, Mississippi State may be moving on from Jim Moorhead. Uh, I really wanted this thing to work out for Joe, but I really, really like Billy Napier. I don't know for certain it's going to be Billy Napier. 
Uh, I know that uh, he is a guy that uh, runs an offense that fits our recruiting footprint. I believe we can annually sign quarterbacks within our recruiting footprint to run the Billy Napier offense. And there's a lot of fundamental uh, similarities between what Dan Mullen ran and what Billy Napier wants to run. A lot of things. Very, very similar spread offense that really you spread people out and you run that power run game. You kind of do some play action uh, roll out off of that stuff. Uh, really like their concepts. They really put you in a decision-making process and kind of stress your linebackers. Really thought they did a good job against Mississippi State earlier this year. They did a really good job of running the football. They're one of the best running teams in America. And they got a three-headed monster down there. And so I think that's what you have to do in the Southeastern Conference. In order to win in the SEC, you have to be able to run the football. You know, I'm not saying you run it all the time, but you got to be able to run the football because everything else is kind of predicated off of that. You know, Joe's concepts are a little bit different. They wanted to kind of run to set up the pass. They wanted the chunk plays, but those never never really came. But I have been told that Billy Napier may potentially be a candidate at Baylor. There's some discussion that the Baylor job may come open and Napier would be a, a candidate for that. And so maybe he's not ready to maybe make a decision just yet. There is some discussion that Matt Rule at Baylor is a candidate that will get an interview for the New York Giants job. So a lot of moving parts to that, but let's say Matt Rule gets the Giants job and then Napier then becomes a, a candidate for the Baylor job. Well, they'll have to move quickly too. And so that could complicate some things, you know, because one of the things that I believe is you don't make a move for the coach unless you, you have a suitable replacement lined up. So I think there is a possibility could be somebody besides Billy Napier. I like Billy Napier. I'll support whoever they bring in, but I really like Billy Napier. I think he fits Mississippi State from a cultural standpoint. And if you go watch his uh, interviews on YouTube, you'll see what I'm talking about. This is a guy that's very intelligent. He's a guy that uh, has a bit of an edge to him. Uh, and I think we need somebody with an edge. I think at Mississippi State, you kind of have to have that guy that's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that feels like he has something to prove because that's kind of who we are. You know, maybe it's because we're born into this uh, rivalry where we've got folks that are constantly telling us how rotten we are and some of that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where people get insecure. But we need somebody with an edge. And that's one thing when you you look at when, uh, when Jackie Sherrill was here. You know, Jackie said, I want Mississippi State fans to take a lot of pride in going to work and having that coffee cup and wearing that Mississippi State shirt. One of the best analogies I ever heard about Jackie Sherrill is that he spit all Miss in the face and then dared them to spit back. We need a guy like that, not just about the old Miss thing, but you need a guy that's going to go out there and really, really push to be great. Uh, Dan Mullen came in. Dan had a real edge to him. There were times he got a little conservative with his play calling, but Dan believed that we could beat anybody. And that's one of the things when you go back and look at the uh, the 2009 football season, because we all get part caught up in this thing with the, well, you know, you got to have the right quarterback, and and uh, that's part of the deal. You know, whoever has the best quarterback usually wins. But we didn't have a great quarterback in 2009. I, I used to kind of joke, I can only begin to imagine when Dan Mullen walked into that quarterback room for the first time, and all due respect to all of our guys in there, but you got Todd Russell, Chris Ralph, and yeah, Tyler Russell's on the way, obviously, it's true freshman, Tyson Lee. It wasn't like it was a uh, highly recruited group. People forget Chris Ralph. Chris Ralph was a two-star quarterback that we beat Southern Miss and Alabama A&M for. 
But you know what we did? We scored points. We couldn't stop a lot of people, but we scored points. We should have beat LSU that year. We'd go out there and put up 45 the first ball game against Jackson State. We, we would have done that against anybody playing quarterback. We go on the road at Auburn, and we couldn't sustain it. But we go up there, and we get a second-quarter lead, and you know, we block a punt. Robert Elliott runs it in. We, we scored 24 points on the Plains. Couldn't stop them. But we could score a little bit. We beat Vanderbilt and Nashville. And then we lose to LSU on a punt return. You heard of Chad Jones' punt return? And we still had a chance to overcome that. We lose about four points to LSU. Pretty good team that year. Then we play Louisiana Tech. Again, we didn't have the defensive piece together yet, but we still put up 31 points. Put up 24 against Houston. Played uh, Florida. Tim Tebow. Remember that star-studded defense? Go look at all the NFL guys on that roster. We lose by 10. You know, Then we go to Lexington, put up 31, and beat them. The only game I don't think we scored much was the Alabama game. You know, Arkansas was rolling back then, too, but, you know, we were still competitive for a while, and we could put 41 up on Ole Miss. So even in year one, Dan Mullen was scoring. We knew then, we felt like, you know what, we should have made a ball game in year one, but we're going to be better for this experience in year 10, in, year, in 2010, and we were. And go look at those numbers, I and mean, people forget Auburn won an NFL championship, and we should have beat them on a Thursday night. Poor Leon Barry, I'll never forget that. Still feel awful for him. Then we lose to LSU the next week, and then we really get going. We beat Georgia, Alcorn State. We go win at Houston, blow them out at their place, 47-24. Then we went in the swamp. We beat UAB. We beat Kentucky. Now all of a sudden, you know, we're a seven and two football team with three three games to play. We hung in Alabama for a little while, and then we lose to Arkansas in overtime. Poor Big Ballard fighting for the game-winning touchdown and fumbles there. So we had a dummy cadence thing that kind of went the wrong way. But the bottom line is that we were competitive in every game. And again, Alabama got us. LSU got us in, in Baton Rouge that year. But that's the, that's the difference. In year two under Dan, we were getting better. At year, year two under Joe, it appears we are regressing. Now, I can rattle off a lot of things that happened. We can talk about Tudorgate, but to be honest with you, I'm tired of talking about Tudorgate, especially when we should have, still should have had a winning record. But as I mentioned to you guys on the show earlier this week, it just never really appears that we're getting better. That's the thing. We never appear to be getting better. And way back when we, we signed Tommy Stevens, we all thought, okay, this will be a good stopgap guy at the very least until Garrett Schrader can take over. We end up having to play them both. Played Garrett really before his time. But he was a gamer. Done a good job for us. But I, I think we're going to wish we had that that fifth year back. You know, I mean, if, if Tommy would have been able to stay healthy, it might be a different deal. But when you go out and you sign your guy, and then you sign Garrett Schrader, and the only guys that get any snaps are your guys, you know, especially when you play a team like Louisville that can't stop the run. Keaton Thompson's been working some package and stuff, and it's a different deal. I mean, Keaton you know, has not had the practice reps to kind of keep him fresh. He, he hadn't because Tommy and Garrett have been working with the ones and the twos. 
But when the offense was struggling, why not give Keaton a series? That's what many of you are asking too. And listen, you know, I've seen Keaton throw the football this year, and it, it, to me, he doesn't look to be the same guy. And to be fair to him, I mean, I, I'm sure he hasn't really been fully engaged in a while. And who could blame him? But when you go out and get your guy and he replaces a fan favorite, and, and the, there could be a real problem. You know, if Tommy doesn't get help, we're probably not having this conversation. We're probably celebrating something else. But it is what it is. Now we kind of move forward. And people said, well, Steve, do you think Keaton might stay? I think he might. And I don't know how this coaching change will affect things, but, uh, you know, as of Thursday night, I was told that Kylan Hill, Willie Gay, and Errol Thompson were all leaning towards coming back. So we'll see what happens now. I think they're all probably well advised to come back, especially considering that their NFL grades, you know, were basically to return to school. If they had a first or second round designation, you got to go. But that's not the position that they're in. They're not in a situation where they're having to choose between millions or, you know, study hall. You probably need to come back and prove a few more things. Kylan Hill coming back kind of answers some real questions at running back. And whoever is the new coach at Mississippi State, that's probably recruiting job number one. Those guys. Got to make sure they stay here. Got to make sure Garrett Schrader stays here. And that's one of the, that's a concern. I know that Garrett really likes it here. I know that Garrett's made some friends here. I know that Garrett's well-respected by his teammates. Garrett's still got to grow up a little bit. They all do. All freshmen have to kind of learn, you know, college life a little bit. And so the best years of Garrett Schroeder's career are ahead, and I hope they're here at Mississippi State. I don't know what Jim Moorhead's plans are. You know, he might have liked to take a year off and spend time with his family. I know, like, listen, it's been a real time commitment for him. And those are the things you think about. It's the family. You know, none of those, none of those people, they didn't get a vote in any of this. But they have to live with the consequence. But, you know, it's about moving forward. Now, you kind of know that when you sign on, you know, as a head coach that uh, – at some point, everybody gets fired. It's like every player at some point in life, you're going to get cut. Most people get cut in high school and never really make it beyond that level. Other people make it to college, and some people get to the pros. But at some point, we all get cut. At some point. And at some point, every coach gets fired. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the road. A lot of people can go back and rehabilitate their image. Let me look at Ed Orgeron. I would venture to say that Ed Orgeron probably was not viewed as the coaching candidate that Joe Moorhead is at any point in his career. I don't think anybody would say, you know what? Ed can really get on a dry race board and break down X's and O's for you. I don't think anybody would ever tell you that. But he's a great motivator and he's a great recruiter. I suspect if you uh, if you conducted a, uh, a test, you know, if, if we're going to go take the ACT, I think Joe Moorhead's probably going to double at Orgeron's score. But if you go play a football game at Orgeron's beaten. Jim Moorhead, twice. And that's what that's what it all boils down to. And I mentioned this in the article earlier this week. College football is a great game, but it's a tough business. A lot of good people get fired because they don't win enough. And that's the case here. It'd be one thing, you know, listen, there have been some things that have kind of gotten everybody's, uh, you know, dander up a little bit. But it'd be one thing if Jim Moorhead was out there 
you know, embarrassing himself and embarrassing the program with his personal life. That's not the case. I've never heard anybody say anything negative about Joe Moorhead as a person, ever, at any point. I think Joe Moorhead came in here with the best of intentions. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. We all had high hopes. There were a lot of people that said, hey, you know what? Joe's going to take us to the next level. Remember, a lot of people were saying it was an upgrade. You know, one of the things that I can tell you is familiarity breeds contempt. And by the time Dan Mullen left here in 2017, there were a lot of people at Mississippi State they were eager to see him go. I won't say that Dan overstayed his welcome, but I think we all agree that it was time for Dan to go. I think Mississippi State and Dan both kind of needed a break. And listen, Dan's doing well in Florida. You know, he got the kids in the breakup. They're doing well. Back-to-back double-digit win seasons and New Year's Six wins. You know, and, and there are a lot of our fans look at that and say, you know what, that should have been us. You know, I think if Dan's here in 2018, we probably are in New Year's 16. Probably go 10-2 and two on the year. Feel pretty confident we'd have found a way to win a couple more ball games. But we didn't. He wasn't here. And we can drive ourselves crazy with hypotheticals. Now it's about us moving forward. Now it's about us finding the right coach to get this thing out of the ditch. I don't really believe that, that John Cohen and, and Dr. Keenum had a, a choice to make any longer. I, I really believe that you had to do this now. And I have read with great interest some of the people, some of the comments from people that uh, really don't have any connection to Mississippi State, but they have an awfully uh, dicey opinion about the Bulldogs, about how this has all been handled. I don't, I don't really have any criticisms about that because it, especially if they end up hiring Billy Napier, it's probably going to save Mississippi State $750,000. What I mean by that is, is that Billy Napier's buyout prior to January one was $2 million. His buyout went down to $1.25 million on January 1. Now, there has been an extension offered to Billy Napier. He has not signed that document. Not saying that he won't. If he does, the buyout goes back up. And if he signs it, clearly he's not intending to come to Mississippi State. But if he doesn't sign that document, it's going to save Mississippi State $750,000. So a lot of people would say, well, you know, this has been a little bit sloppy. But you know what? I'll, t- I'll deal with a little sloppy to save three-quarters of a million dollars, especially if we get the right guy to come in and run our football program. And, again, I say that with as much respect as possible to Joe Moorhead. I believe Joe gave it a great effort. I believe Joe gave the best of himself to Mississippi State. I don't believe it was ever a lack of effort. It certainly wasn't a lack of, of pride or a lack of passion. Joe gave us everything that he had, but unfortunately, that wasn't enough. And there are a lot of people that will tell you and say, you know, well, well, you know, I've done my best. Well, what do we do when your best isn't good enough? We have to go into the different direction. That's where we are. And we talk about, well, you know, some, you know, sometimes uh, you know, it's just not the right fit. And sometimes it's not. And I really think one of those things, too, especially with these slower developing passing plays, I don't know that we can consistently recruit offensive linemen to pass protect at the level required to run this scheme. I also don't know if our recruiting footprint produces enough true down-the-field passing quarterbacks that would fit this scheme. I've mentioned that before. There's a lot of kids out there that can run the spread. I don't know that there's a lot of them out there that can stand in a pocket and do a five-step drop and chunk it 50 yards down the field. It's not. 
I don't know that that will work in the SEC unless you have, you know, really superior personnel. And I don't know that Mississippi State recruits at that level. And and that's one of the things I don't think you know until you kind of get in there. It's just like when Dan Mullen first got here. You know, we, we all thought initially when Dan Mullen got here that quarterbacks would be lining up to play for Dan Mullen. They would be coming in droves because they all wanted to be the next Tim Tebow. And you know what? We couldn't get any of those kids to come play quarterback. Dak Prescott was a two-star quarterback until the end of his senior year at Houghton High School. Only then did he, when his senior film was reviewed, was he elevated to a three-star quarterback. Dak Prescott became a star at Mississippi State under the direction of Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson. Under the supervision of guys like Matt Bayless in the strength and conditioning program. And that's one of the things people say, well, Steve, you know, before this, what, what, what changes were you expecting? Well, I certainly expected strength and conditioning and special teams and quarterback coach, but now I don't, I don't know that anyone will be retained. Don't know. That's still premature. And again, we don't know who's going to get the job. I don't think we'll have to wait long to find out. But I think a lot of people out there that have these hot takes about Mississippi State, they're just they're just trying to generate clicks. I'm trying to tell you guys the truth as I get it. Worked really hard on this all week long. Haven't seen my family a whole, a whole lot except when they're passing through the office, you know, on their way to get a drink or something. But this is what we do, and we want to have some integrity with what we post and what we publish for you guys. At the same time, too, we want to be sensitive to everybody involved. We want to be fair to everybody involved. One of the things that I find very interesting is that a lot of people have said, well, you know, John Cohen, Dr. Keenum, those guys are on the same page, and, and that's just not true. That's that's not the information that I have at all. And I know there's some people out there that are very critical of John Cohen, and I think most of that is unmerited. There, listen, there are some things we've got to do better as a university. There's some things with the game day experience that went wrong this year. They're being addressed. They're being addressed. No, there'll be some, you'll see some resolution on that. But there are a lot of times people think that our administration is asleep at the wheel and there's that's anything but. You know, Dr. Mark Keenum, and I talked, I talked to a, a mutual friend of, uh, of Mark and I earlier, this, this, earlier on uh, Thursday. Dr. Mark Keenum was a center, a junior college center, I believe at Northeast Community College. I believe that's right. He was a center, and he was an overly competitive guy. Despite the fact that he wasn't very big in stature, he was mean as a striped snake because he wanted to win. He wants to win on all fronts. And I've read some of these people that say, well, you know, Mississippi State so obsessed with beating Ole Miss, and that's why they made that decision to keep Joe. Well, here's here's the facts behind that. Mississippi State just fired a coach that went two and zero in the Egg Bowl. Two and zero. On the flip side of that, Ole Miss hired Matt Luke because he won the Egg Bowl in 2017. I guess it was, yeah, 17. And then he lost it in 2019. So he wins it to get the job, and he loses it to lose the job. But yet we're the ones obsessed with them. And I, and I really don't want to spend a lot of time talking about them because it's really more about us. But let this sink in for a second. 
we just fired a head football coach that is 2-0 all-time against Ole Miss and went to back-to-back bowl games. So how are we not committed to success? Because that's one of the things that our people say, well, you know, we, we, we're just uh, we're willing to just beat Ole Miss and go to a bowl game. Well, clearly not. We just fired a coach who did both in both years that he was here. Joe Moorhead has had the golden egg in his possession for official visits for each of the last two recruiting cycles. The folks at Ole Miss, they can, uh, they can, you know, they can see a picture of the golden egg. Kids that take official visits to Mississippi State can take a picture with the golden egg. It's a big difference. And so people would say, well, you know, Steve, you guys are just happy if we beat Ole Miss and go to a bowl game. Not me. There may be some people that expect that. I want to get back to Atlanta. I didn't get to go to that game back in 1998, and some of you guys weren't even alive when that happened. I want to get back to Atlanta. I want to play in a New Year's Six game again. I want to beat Ole Miss on our way to something better. It's one of those things I kind of laugh. I've said many times on the Jeans Page message board, and there's one of those guys, I don't know that he fully comprehends what the term minimum means. We should be able to beat Ole Miss and go to a bowl game every single year. In a good year, a bad year, a development year, a turnaround year, a rebuild year, that should be a given. It shouldn't be the goal. Our goal shouldn't be to beat Ole Miss. I think we've outgrown that as a program. This year, it was a little different. The last thing we wanted to do was lose to Ole Miss, but we never wanted to lose to them. I remember interviewing Jim Atlas after 2014 season. We were on our way to Oxford that year. I was like, Jim, as great as this year has been, will this year be complete without a win in the Egg Bowl? And Jim said, no, it wouldn't be. It would it would put a damper on things. We've gone to number one this year, but if we find a way to lose to Ole Miss, they will have the one-upsmanship and say, you know what, we beat their best team ever. Just like we can claim in baseball, we've beaten both of their best teams ever. And so I say all that to say this, is that we have elevated our expectations as a program. And I think the actions today prove that, that we are not just satisfied with beating Ole Miss because we've done that two years in a row. We are not just satisfied getting to a bowl game because we've done that two years in a row. We want more at Mississippi State. We deserve more, and we have taken corrective action because we understand that this thing is headed in the wrong direction. Unfortunately for Joe Moorhead and his family, they are moving on, and I'm sure there will be a certain level of bitterness after all of this. That's human nature. Uh, I know Joe said in a post-game press conference after the Music City Bowl, and this is when I really, that's the first time, maybe it was one of those things, maybe I got slapped in the face. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking how bad this really stinks that we're going to have a losing season. That we're losing the Music City Bowl to a team that we have more talent. And we lose the game and they look to be so much better than us. They look like they were playing a different league. They're playing a different game than us. And yes, we've had some injuries. I get it. I understand that part of it. But Joe sat there in the post game and, and said, you know, hey, we've had two top 25 wins in the last two years. We've done this. And I began to think to myself, you know, maybe I have misevaluated this whole thing with Joe. You know, we, we came in talking about a championship standard. 
and clear out a space for a Heisman Trophy and go get your, your ring sizes. And, and I know Joe said, well, you know, I shouldn't let that get out there publicly. You know, I, I, listen, I, I don't want a coach that runs from high expectations. So I got a problem with that. What I've got a problem with is we come in talking about a championship standard and then we're going to brag about doing the minimum standard two years later. We come in talking about winning championships and we go out saying, well, at least we won the golden egg and got to a bowl game. And again, I think we've grown beyond that. And so when I heard him say that, I thought, you know, Joe, this isn't a whole lot to brag about. These Ole Miss teams have not been very good, despite what some of our fans have said on Facebook. These Ole Miss teams have not been good. These are not great teams. Five and seven, four and eight teams. It's not like they were bowl teams. They're bad teams. And so I don't know that we get up there and beat our chest about beating Ole Miss, beating a bad Ole Miss team. And they're a bad team. And despite what they'll tell you and some of our Mississippi State fans that are scared of them, they're a bad team. And so if that's our crowning achievement, if that's what we're proud of, if, if that's all we can be proud of is, hey, we got a couple top 25 wins when you're going to play seven or eight top 25 teams every single year. We claim two top 25 wins. We claim two Egg Bowl wins. We claim two bowl appearances. But that should be the minimum standard. And so we have gone from a championship standard to the minimum standard. You want to know why Jim Moorhead's not here anymore. That's why. I want to thank our friends at Campus Bookmart. Stand a man. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talent, and Susie, you know how lovely she is. You go by and see them. They will treat you like family because you are family. Simple as that. Go by and have a good time. Get to know them. They've got great merchandise for you to choose from. If you can't make it to town, we encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web. Visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping. On all orders, over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Moving around a little bit, Mississippi State women's basketball opened the SEC uh, on uh, Thursday night. 93-47 win. 93-47 win. It was like a 16-12 ball game, and next thing you know, the game is over. And State absolutely destroyed them. Mississippi State box score... You know, really very efficient night for them. Florida held a 17 of 59 shooting. On the other side of it, State 37 and 64. Jessica Carter, perfect from the field, perfect from the line, six rebounds, three fouls, just seven points, and that's okay. Rakia Jackson, another huge night for her, 20 points, nine of 11 from the field goal uh, percentage. That's when she's really starting to find her shot. We hope she would. Early on, took her some time. She's getting going. Chloe Bibby, big milestone night for her, 13 points for her, 500 points in her career, 3 of 7 from three-point line, pulls down 10 rebounds, double-double for her. Jordan Danbury pitches in 21 points. 21 points, 8 assists, 3 turnovers. Maya Taylor, 6 assists herself, just the one turnover. Beginning to see this team develop. Beginning to see them. And listen, this is not a great Florida team. Just nine and five on a year now. But they're not maybe as bad as they have been. Mississippi State showed that they could be as good as they have been in recent years. Andy Espinosa Hunter still not getting a lot of production from her. 
Not exactly sure what's going on there. Just one of two from the field, a three-point basket. That's all. That's all her long contribution in ten minutes of action. Promise Taylor saw seven minutes of action. A couple points for her. But that's where we are there now. Mississippi State men's basketball will be uh, in action on uh, Saturday. I know you guys are eager for that. Auburn will be uh, here to uh, to take on the Bulldogs to open up the SEC slate. That's a 3.30 tip here in Humphrey Coliseum. There needs to be a rocking crowd there, to say the least. So let's uh, let's get ready to wrap this thing up. It's a couple things that I wanted to share with you, too. We talk about some of these candidates, you know, and there'll be – more. We've got uh, wall-to-wall coverage on this today over on jeanspage.com. We're also going to offer you 60 days of coverage for $1. That, that's simple. 60 days of coverage for $1. bucks. that will get you through the signing day period. That'll get you through all these coaching hires. That'll get you through the coaching search. That'll get you through everything. That'll get you, that'll get you to the early stages of Mississippi State's baseball season. So go to jeanspage.com today. Two months of coverage for $1. That's a limited time only, but again, sixty days for one buck. If you've if you ever thought, you know what, maybe I should try that jeans page thing. I hear Steve talking about it and see them sharing his articles. Sixty bucks, sixty days for one dollar. Go do it. One of the things too that I wanted to share with you guys too about this show. I uh, I was reminded that I made the move to this new company back on February the eighteenth. You remember when uh, we used to be on Bulldog Sports Radio and uh, the app went dead, and so I elected to uh, to keep the show alive by going independent. We kept our local advertising, brought you guys quality programming, spent some time on SoundCloud before I found a permanent home for the uh, Boneyard. And, of course, now that we are with a, a different company, we're able to, to distribute the show to several other platforms. And as a result, the show has grown tremendously. So between February 18th and uh, December 31st, over a million listens. And that's a three-day-a-week show. Three days a week. And that's that's from February 18th, not even a full year, over a million listens from you crazy folks. And to kind of accentuate that a little bit more, that's every state in the union we have listenership in every state of the union, including the U.S. territories, including Guam and the Virgin Islands, and in over 90 countries, 90 countries. Now, when we were on the app, we didn't have that kind of push because you couldn't get the app uh, in some places but because of the fact that we're on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and things like that. So over 90 countries, and uh, I don't know who you find folks are in Vietnam and Luxembourg and that kind of stuff, but thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to give you a little bit of home. Interestingly enough, our show uh, earlier this week about the culture at Mississippi State, number one show of the year, most listened to show of the year. The number two show of the year was the NCAA sanction show. When you guys didn't even know we were about to go on probation and we announced the sanctions right here on the show. The number three show was winning the Egg Bowl, recapping the Egg Bowl. So that's the three defining moments, I think, of this calendar year for Mississippi State football. The Tudor Gate sanctions, 
wanting the egg and getting bowl eligible, and then recognizing the fact that we've got a real problem with our football program culture-wise. We do. And, and I've had so many people contact me about that show and say, you know what, Steve, it's the best show of the year. And I'm glad you enjoyed that. And I really spoke from the heart. I didn't hold anything back, to be honest with you. I just told you exactly how I felt about things. And I don't really worry about the fallout of that. Other people are like, oh, you know, Steve, it's going to be awfully chilly if you have to go in there and stand in a room with Joe Moorhead after this. You know, I'm prepared to do that because I didn't say anything that I didn't believe. I didn't say anything that wasn't true. I didn't say anything just to be critical. I said that because I love Mississippi State. I want Mississippi State to be extremely successful on all fronts. And when Joe Moorhead was our football coach, I wanted Joe Moorhead to be the greatest football coach in America. I wanted Joe Moorhead to take Mississippi State places we had never been before. That's what I wanted. I never wanted Joe Moorhead to struggle. I never wanted Joe Moorhead to come in here and post a losing season. I believed in the vision Joe Moorhead had for our program. And I was like, hey, listen, we've got a talented roster. Maybe Joe could take us to the next level. That's what I hoped would happen, but that's not what happened. And so I didn't join some hit parade and just say, you know what? Hey, to hell with Joe. No, I would never do that. I don't feel that way. I've got a lot of respect for everybody that puts on that maroon and white Adidas pullover, that uniform, no matter the sport. I respect our student athletes and our coaches, but I also expect them to perform at a level that is worthy of our admiration of Mississippi State fans. And, and sadly, Joe Moorhead did not live up to those expectations. It doesn't mean that he's a bad person. It doesn't mean that he's a bad coach. It just didn't work out when he was here with us. And so I know some people will, you know, they'll go on message boards and, and then, you know, social media, and they will trash these folks. And it's not a personal issue. It never has been for me. But it's one of those situations, as we discussed many times, every coach in every sport is judged on wins and losses. Nobody is going to show up because of your graduation rate. Nobody is going to show up because of the fact that uh, you've got pe people that are making you know, straight A's. They're coming to watch you win. And when you don't win enough, you got to go work somewhere else. You know, and Jim Moorhead and his family will be compensated. I mean, he'll get he'll get his buyout. I mean, you know, Joe's not going to struggle. What's Joe the best? I really do. And uh, I said multiple times on this show, I really wanted this to work out. Really did. Because despite the fact that Joe was a Yankee, his word, not mine, I thought Joe kind of identified with some of our values. He was a guy that grew up in a blue-collar family. His dad worked a couple different jobs to try to put them through school. And so he understood the value in hard work. And so when he came down here, and I used to laugh where he talked about everywhere he went in Mississippi that we had fried chicken at every gas station. <laughs> and I still laugh when I think about that, you know, because that's what we all kind of grew up with. And so it was interesting to kind of see him come here and kind of acclimate to things at Mississippi State. It was kid, uh, you know, played on the uh, the little league baseball team that went to the college, that went to the little league world series. You know, so Joe was a part of our culture. Joe was a part of our community. His wife Jennifer, always so nice and engaging when I've seen her, very supportive of Joe, very supportive of Mississippi State. You know, she didn't get a vote in any of this. She's along for the ride, supporting her husband, and she was a great first lady of Mississippi State sports. 
wish them the absolute best. Every one of them. Joe made some mistakes along the way. You know, but the biggest mistake that Joe made is he didn't win enough. That's what happens when you don't win enough. Everything else is magnified. Everything you say is not good enough. Everything you say is not passionate enough. You can be on the sidelines and the camera catches you in a candid moment. For some reason, you know, you don't have the veins in your neck throbbing and all of a sudden you're labeled as a zombie or something. Yeah, it's funny. And I share this and I don't want to make fun of this person, but I, I just, I remember this as I talked about the words after the, uh, after the Music City Bowl, I posted Joe Moorhead's post-game video. Took video of it, posted it out there for you guys to see it. And he made a comment. He said, I want to thank the fans for coming down here. And uh, the very first comment was a lady that said, did he really say down here? Does he not know his geography? And I thought that is a perfect microcosm of where we are right now with the fan base. I it, that didn't even register with me. I, I, don't, I didn't even care about where we were or where we were. Will we do north of Starville or whatever? We just posted a losing season. We just got blown out in the Music City Bowl by an inferior team. We just went through a situation now where we've had, uh, you know, all of the positive momentum that we gained from getting Bo eligible has been washed away. And we're going to have a very, very long offseason. And we're probably facing some pretty severe losses in ticket sales and revenue and really kind of damaging the brand. And we want to talk about geography. And again, I'm not being critical of that person, but it just goes to show you when you're not winning, everything you say is under the microscope. Emery Villard told me years ago, winning covers a multitude of sin. That's true. And unfortunately, I think Joe has probably been overanalyzed and scrutinized, and some of that's his fault. But all of it boils down to the fact that he didn't win enough. So now we move forward. We will have uh, updates on Gene's page as we get them. We will post anything that we get, as long as we believe that it is credible. We will share that with you. There'll be a lot of rumors, and there'll be times that we'll clarify, hey, hey here's one of the things I've heard we won't pass it off as fact, but you can follow the discussion over on our True Maroon board on jeanspage.com. I will be back on the road again in the coming days. I will be at the 120 Club signing books and talking about all this stuff on uh, January 7th. So if you are a member of the 120 Club in Jackson, Mississippi, you come by, visit, come get books. For those of you that were on the naughty list and didn't get a book from Santa Claus, you can buy your own. And then I will be at Walk-On's Bistro in Baton Rouge from 3.30 to 5.30 before State plays LSU men's basketball uh, next Saturday. So that's two locations to see me uh, outside of Starkville. And there will be some other, we'll, we'll have, you know, it won't be quite as many book signings because quite frankly, uh, I need time to work on the rest of the stuff. And we're already beginning to do some interviews for Stark Villains too. And, uh, but yeah, we're going to be very active at times and uh, probably a couple book signings a week for the next couple of months. And if you're interested in hosting a book signing, whether it be an evening with where we sit down and have a meal and talk about the book and answer questions and that sort of stuff, uh, we can do that. Just reach out to me via social media, whatever, and, and uh, I'll put you in contact with the right folks and uh, we'll go from here. But um, I'm excited to get back out there. But uh you know, the, the pace of which my December went, uh, it, it takes a big toll on you. And if you're looking to pre-order, pardon me, if you want to order the book, you can do so at starkvillainsthebook.com. 
And I have so many people that ask about those wonderful Stark Villain shirts. You can find those at the Deep South Pout game day shop right next door to Deep South Pout. Or you can order them at StarkVillains.com. So order the book at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. Order the shirts and hoodies at StarkVillains.com. But find all of our content and all of our great information over at JeansPage.com. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.